Welcome back to Local News Live and welcome to today's sports update. Of course, uh, we're bringing in the expert for this. I do not pretend to know enough about uh, the sports world. Tyler Jones is coming in to talk about uh, all things sports, uh, some big sports stories for this week. We've got Mike Bell and I uh, just giving commentary, which it's not going to be educated commentary. We're just going to jump in when, when we see fit. So I'm excited. But we're excited for Tyler, the expert here. Hey, uh, expert, I don't know about that. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, glad to be here, Amber, and deliver some of the top sports headlines as we're in the middle of the week. And we got a huge weekend ahead in the sports world. So I wanted to take some time to catch up to speed on what you need to know heading into the weekend ahead. It all gets started, of course, tomorrow with Thursday night football. Panthers taking on the Texans, and then we're just gravy from that point forward with some great sports action the uh, next couple days. But before we look ahead, guys, I want to go back in time a little bit. And for a little on this day in history, let's take you back 14 years ago on this day. I love this. Okay. Mike Gundy, head coach at Oklahoma State, had an infamous rant that uh, he delivered, and let's just say that he let the world know that He's a man, and that he was 40 at the time. Now 54. <laughs> All right, let's check it out. So Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not, a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. Don't write about a kid that does everything right, that's heart's broken, and then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me. Or <laughs> All right, so Tyler, I have, I think, pretty much everybody under the sun. And me not being the huge football guy uh, in the room, even I know about this. I, have I seen actually it. didn't. You, Can I be honest? Really? I didn't. Okay. But it's, I'm surprised that I didn't because it's great. It, it, it's amazing. And it was. It's an electric factory. It, it is uh, quoted, that, that too. It's been quoted to death and back again. Tyler, why, how did this happen? What, what's the backstory here? So I know a little bit about it, but I want to learn, learn more. Mike Gundy, the head coach at Oklahoma State, their foot, head football coach, still there to this day. He was a little upset with an article that was written in the Oklahoman, which is the newspaper out of Oklahoma City, about a player of his, Bobby Reed, who was benched. And in the article, it talked about how he enjoyed having fried chicken made by his mom and that he was coddled by coaches and, and the you know, rest of the team and such and didn't live up to expectations. And... Mike Gundy was not pleased with how that article was written. And this was after a win that he reacted this way. Zach Robinson ended up actually starting that game. It was against Texas Tech. The Cowboys were an underdog, and they upset Texas Tech, won that game. But because the article was there earlier in the week and the article was brought to his attention, that was his closest interaction to the media since that article was published. So... He made his uh, case known to go after him. He's a man, he's 40, and he doesn't read the newspapers, but I guess he does read the newspapers. So uh, a little nice uh, on this day in history, a little look back 14 years later. Mike Gundy was 40 then, now 54. Quite the man now. And he's a man. He is. <laughs> he's a man. He is a man. Incredible. Indeed.
So shout out Mike Gundy, 14 years since that happened. Let's go ahead and look at some of the top sports storylines heading into this weekend. We got a countdown for you. We're going to go from five to one. And we'll uh, begin at the, you, you get a little tease there, what's coming up at number one. I know. You just saw Whoops. this a second ago. Number five on our list is Justin Fields, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. There he is on the right of your screen. Fields is the future of the Chicago Bears franchise. This is a guy that was picked high in this last NFL draft out of the Ohio State. And he had a great career at Ohio State. Now, coming to Chicago, this is a team that has been desperate to find a true franchise quarterback for a long time. They had some decent years with Jay Cutler. Then you go back all the way to the 80s when they had the infamous 85 uh, you know, Super Bowl champion team. Jim McMahon was their starting quarterback then. and He was okay, but he wasn't elite. They still have been looking for that elite quarterback. Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Bears, has said that he's not in a rush to put Justin Fields out there. Although he is the future of the franchise and coming off an era where they played Mitch Trubisky and that didn't go over so well, now they find themselves trying to set up Justin Fields in the best position to succeed. And although that Nagy doesn't want to play Fields just yet, he has said he's committed to his starter, Andy Dalton, for the... Uh, the, the, the current situation. Andy Dalton's hurt. So we're going to get to see Justin Fields make his first career start coming up this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns, we know about Baker Mayfield and that offense, but they have a very stout defense. One of the best defenses in football, in particular, led by one of their star defensive linemen, Miles Garrett. And so you got to wonder, a rookie quarterback going up against Miles Garrett, how is that all going to fare? especially with the Bears having a struggling offensive line, how are they going to do to protect Justin Fields and put him in a position to succeed going up against the stout Cleveland Browns defense? So that is one thing I'm watching for this weekend is the debut of Justin Fields, a rookie quarterback, the future of the Chicago Bears. How is he going to do against this very good Browns defense? It is certainly intriguing heading into Sunday in this matchup between the Bears and the Browns. And Mike, I, I know you're not a, a huge football guy, but I think everybody knows the Bears have had some struggles at the quarterback position. All eyes are going to be on Chicago to see if they have found their man now. Easily, easily. And you know, it... even I know this, but I'm not quite sure exactly what the solution is because, again, I'm not a football guy or anything. I'm sure the powers that be, the geniuses behind the coaching staff, why are you laughing? I'm just... Does it sound almost like a... I sound almost like a politician, don't I? Kind of coming up with, <laughs> with like, a, a no-answer answer. Right. But, but I, I get what you're saying. But also, I was trying to pay attention, but we had some rattling yeah. up above with the air conditioner unit. So I literally got on a chair just now to hold up the pipe. So, again... Nicely done. I'm yeah. trying my best. You, I'm trying my best. It's what they pay me for. So... Justin Fields' first career start, I think he'll do pretty well. And he did decent last week when he came in for mop-up duty when Andy Dalton got hurt. Now a full week of practice is QB1. Look, it's clear. He's the best quarterback on that roster. But with that struggling offensive line, they have some hesitation about not wanting him to get hurt 
Matt Nagy has compared this situation to when he was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City when they started Alex Smith for a year and Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench. The difference is, though, Alex Smith is a lot better quarterback than what Andy Dalton was. And Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. We don't know what Justin Fields is at this point. So I don't think that's a fair comparison, but nonetheless, that's what the Bears are going with for their reasoning of why Justin Fields isn't quite their guy just yet. See, that was my answer. Thank you for saying it for me. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Took All right. right out of my Let's go to number four number on four. our top sports headlines heading into the weekend. Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers is demanding a trade. Training camps have started in the NBA. They're getting going in the next coming days. And Ben Simmons, who was a former number one overall pick by the Philadelphia 76ers out of LSU, he's had a pretty good career. But with struggling shooting, then we've wondered, okay, what are the Sixers going to do? Remember the whole deal about the process that the Sixers were dealing with, that you know they brought in Sam Hankey. They were going to get all these first-round draft picks and build up that roster to potentially make a run. And the process just hasn't played out. It hasn't been executed like they would have hoped for. And Ben Simmons was expected to be a big part of the process. Well, with his shooting concerns, he's a very good traditional point guard, but simply struggles shooting the basketball. That's kind of important in this sport, in the NBA. And with that, there's been a lot of trade talk. Ben Simmons got a lot of blame for the 76ers getting eliminated in the postseason last year. He wants out. Now, because they didn't get the trade done before training camp, and Ben Simmons is asking for this trade now, then the trade value of Simmons goes down because teams know that the Sixers are desperate to get rid of Ben Simmons now. He's not showing up. He's not playing for the 76ers. He said he's not showing up and playing for them ever again. So... Because the 76ers didn't act quickly and swiftly on this, they're going to pay a price for this. They're not going to get their return on investment that they would have hoped for out of Ben Simmons. A lot of good options for Ben Simmons to kind of restart his career. He needs some new life of some sorts in another city. I think this will be a win-win for everybody to get Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia, not only for his sake, but for the Philadelphia 76ers themselves. So, so is Ben, and again, I know even less about basketball than I do about football and other actual real sports. So is this more of a, a, a player issue or a coaching issue or kind of a mesh of the two? I, I would say it's those two and it's the fan base. He has lost the fans in Philadelphia. They cannot stand him anymore. They have been sick of what has gone down with his lack thereof of stepping up in big-time moments. This is a divorce where everybody just wants to get away and be done with each other and say sayonara. That's most divorces in my, in my <laughs> personal experience, and I will say no more. <laughs> so, Ben Simmons, uh, I would be surprised if he is still a member of the Philadelphia 76ers when the season begins here in just a few weeks. Watch for that trade market. Potentially, maybe even a deal gets done this weekend to see Ben Simmons leave the Philadelphia 76ers. An all-star guard, Ben Simmons, but looking for a new home. So there you have Ben Simmons there. Let's go ahead and go to number three on our list. That would be the Ryder Cup, which was supposed to occur, occur last year, if you recall. But there was this thing called COVID-19 that got in the way. The U.S. is looking for its first Ryder Cup title since 2016. It has been a minute since Team USA was able to win the Ryder Cup. In case you don't know what the Ryder Cup is, 
it is the best USA golfers taking on the best European golfers. And they play in match play. And at the end, they reward the uh, trophy and the medals to either the U.S. or the Europeans. And when you look on paper, the U.S. probably has the more talented squad. Brooks Kepka, he's won a lot of majors as of late. Bryson DeChambeau has played some really good golf. You got all these guys together. The American golf team has been considerably stronger on paper throughout the PGA Tour the last couple of years compared to the Europeans, but the European team has been much more successful in the Ryder Cup as of late. And so you got two factors involved here. Do you go with the team that has been playing better golf individually or the team that's played better collectively on the European side? That's the task at hand for Team USA as they head to the Ryder Cup and try to win the title for the first time since 2016. How can they play as a unit? How can they come together as opposed to these European golfers that have played together really well for a long time? I would go with the latter uh, of those two. If, if I had to hazard a guess, and again, I've played golf a number of times in my life. I know enough about golf to know how insanely hard golf is. It looks so easy on TV. But when you actually get out there and you try to tee off and everything, and you're trying not to actually just smack a ball completely at a 90-degree angle into the uh, golf cart next to you. I'm going to have to go with the Europeans on this one. Well, and one factor that doesn't work to Team USA's advantage in this is that this is a young USA team. You don't have Tiger Woods. You don't have Phil Mickelson. You don't have guys that have played on this stage. You do have major champions, but you have don't have a whole lot of guys that have played together in this situation before. So that's something to watch. How can these guys come together and take down the Europeans, try to get this first Ryder Cup title since 2016? They'll have their work cut out for them. Going to be highly entertaining. The Ryder Cup this weekend gets started on Friday. Let's go to number two on our countdown, and that would be college football playoff expansion. It's up in the air. If you recall, just about three months ago, this thing looked like a done deal. It looked like we were headed towards a 12-team playoff, possibly as early as 2023. But then Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC formed what they call the Alliance. And then we saw the Big 12 start raiding members of the American Conference, as well as BYU. So a lot has changed in the college football landscape. And so... The powers that be have kind of put the brakes on this college football playoff talk for a bit. And there was a meeting earlier today. Nothing was voted on. There's going to be another meeting next week. It was supposed to be in person in Dallas. Instead, it's going to be a Zoom call. And they're still trying to sort this out. And you'll look at it. The college football playoff will expand at some point. Currently at four teams, the majority want to see this thing go to 12. But it's the process of getting there. Eight is still on the table, but when you look at TV revenue, if you go with 12 versus eight, then there's more money to be made with 12 teams. There's also, when you look at these TV rights, that if they do it between 2023 and 2025, it has to be with ESPN. ESPN has an exclusive negotiating window. Now, if you wait till 2026, you could bring in another broadcaster or two broadcast partner involved to negotiate and get this playoff contract written up so there could be more money by having more partners involved. So 
what the college football playoff powers that be are trying to figure out, okay, do we go ahead and sign a new contract with ESPN and expand the playoff for less money, but we're not leaving money on the table for these couple of years that we could expand the playoff? Or do we wait till our contract with ESPN is up to expand the playoff, but we leave money on the table because of the two years that the playoff would still be at four teams. So there's still a lot of moving parts to figure out. A lot of these conferences are upset with how the SEC handled bringing in Oklahoma and Texas. That's part of the problem here. Also tried to figure out with the Big 12 adding BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati, is the Big 12 still going to be a powerhouse conference? Are they going to be a part of the Power Five by 2026, or will they be the equivalent of a mid-major conference? That still remains to be seen. Is there going to be any other Big 12 members that leave the conference and join one of the other power conferences by then and weaken the Big 12? So a lot of uncertainty in college athletics right now, and the college football playoff expansion is right to the forefront of it right now. Tyler, I, I never hesitate to ask questions that are potentially eye-rolling especially when it comes to people who are actually involved and at least somewhat knowledgeable in sports. I'm looking at the, uh, an article here about what you're talking about, and one of the kind of uh, questions being asked is, should automatic bids be reexamined as a way to guarantee specific leagues access? Tell, tell it to me like I'm five years old. What is an automatic bid? So in the idea of a 12-team playoff, there would be six automatic bids for the highest-ranked six conference champions. No matter what leagues they are, the six highest-ranked conference champions. So let's say, for all intents and purposes, Mm -hmm. the ACC, Big 12, SEC, Pac-12, Big 10, SEC, and the American, all of their highest-ranked teams would get automatic bids to the playoffs. Okay, okay. Okay? And, you know, their their conference champion, highest-ranked team, gets in. And then the other six would be just the highest-ranked teams, period. And so... That seems to make sense to me. Right. But... But... (laughs) Because the SEC just added Oklahoma and Texas and became a lot stronger, there is a fear among the other conferences, okay, you just made the SEC so much better than everybody else. Is this going to be these six conference champions and then six SEC teams? and be an SEC playoff, there's that fear involved of this becoming too much about the SEC. So that's what's at stake here. Currently, it's a four-team system with just the best four teams in the country. Now, it's made by a selection committee. That's all subjective. And so there's some controversy in that, that there's no way to automatically get teams into the playoff, that it's all based on opinion of a committee. So this has a long way to go. I doubt we're going to have an answer next week if the 12-team playoff is coming anytime soon, but it is something to think about. It seemed like a done deal just three months ago that we were going to a 12-team playoff. But that, my friends, is out the door. Anything is possible. And one thing you got to keep in mind, too, is the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl, of course, the granddaddy of them all, the most prominent of all the bowl games, traditionally a Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. They have their own TV contract. They would like to continue to play the Rose Bowl on January 1st and also do it at the 5 p.m. Eastern time slot that they've owned for years. But 
the playoff has said, look, we want to control things and we want to do things our way. So do you want to be a part of us or not? And the Rose Bowl is kind of getting in the way of the playoff being able to con- collectively bargain a TV contract. Incredible. Incredible. So, Tyler, you know, to that point, I actually wanted to ask, just because as I was sitting here listening, I got curious, what's your prediction? Who do you think is going to be in the national championship this year? Well, this year in college football is fascinating. You have more parity than you've had in a long time in college football. You look at Alabama just last week, they almost lost to Florida. Who would have saw that coming? Alabama just a week or two ago blew the doors off Miami and looked like they were on a league of their own the way they've dominated college football. Oklahoma nearly loses to Nebraska. That was a game that was oh, field goals and an extra point. My poor heart. Overtime. My poor Nebraska yeah, heart. we've got Oklahoma and Nebraska fans in here. Yes. Yeah, boomer sooner, baby. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. GBR someday. Yes. But here was an Oklahoma team that had high expectations and – They've not looked impressive at all. And we're supposed to believe they're a top four team right now? Hmm. Hold the brakes, folks. Georgia is a team that looks really good right now. But what about their offense? Do they have enough offense to get there? Clemson had high expectations. Their offense has looked horrific, and they've already lost a game to Georgia. Ohio State was a team with high expectations. They lost at home to Oregon. So So some of of the really solid everyday picks for years – are not so solid anymore. They've from come what you're back telling. down a bit. Wow. It is early. Teams are still finding themselves. We don't know who these teams are right now. We're still learning as this thing goes along. But I think Oklahoma will figure themselves out. I still have them winning the national championship and getting to the playoff. I think Georgia's going to win the SEC. They're a better team than Alabama right now. As crazy as that may sound, I think Georgia is a better team. I got Georgia in the playoff. Out of the Big Ten... I think Iowa can roll the table. Wow. I think that I the guys play really good physical defense, got a strong offensive line, and they can actually score points. Watch out for Iowa out of the Big Ten, I think, can make that playoff. And then the last spot, you can't have a playoff without Alabama. They could lose a game. They could lose the SEC championship to Georgia and still find their way in. So my top four right now to make the playoff, give me Oklahoma, Georgia, Give me Iowa and give me Alabama, and I still have the Sooners winning it all. My original national championship pick, sticking to it. Don't sleep on the Ducks, though, out of Oregon. That's a team that went in to Columbus, into the horseshoe, and knocked off Ohio State. And Mario Cristobal's got a good physical football team. You remember those Oregon teams of a couple years ago that Chip Kelly had where they ran that spread option attack? It was very finesse, fast-paced football. That's not who they are anymore. They play physical, sound aggressive football in Eugene, Oregon now. Don't sleep on the Ducks. I'm just waiting for my Tigers, my Mizzou Tigers, to be in that conversation one day. You're going to be waiting a long time. Not today, though. (laughs) Welcome to the party, Amber, as I don my Husker cap. All right, we are moving on to number one. You saw this earlier, but we'll dive more in depth. Yes. The Buccaneers and the Rams. They're playing in America's Game of the Week on Sunday. And this, I think could be an NFC Championship game preview between these two teams. The Buccaneers won the Super Bowl a season ago. The Rams have looked really good through two weeks. They brought in Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions, and Stafford is playing the best football of his career right now. Matthew Stafford is finally getting to prove that he's an elite quarterback in this league as he has incredible weapons there with the Rams, with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and that run game's been solid, too. The Rams 
went a whole nother level bringing in Matthew Stafford to that quarterback position. The Bucs, I have some concerns with their secondary, but their offense has gone nine straight games with scoring 30 points or more. That offense is terrific. Tom Brady is playing great despite being 44 years old. This game Age is, is just a number, man. There's going to be a lot of points, a lot of good offense. It's going to be in SoFi in Los Angeles. It opened as a pickup. Vegas said, hey, we don't know. There's a 50-50 chance. Things have changed a bit. The Bucks are now about a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but not a huge margin by any means. This is a true toss-up game. Both teams are playing well. I would actually give the edge to the Rams, despite the really? Bucks being the defending Super Bowl champions. Rams have an incredible defensive line with Aaron Donald, arguably the best player in football leading the way. Jalen Ramsey's terrific at that cornerback spot. I think that they could give the Bucs just enough issues. They could bait Tom Brady into making a mistake or two to be the difference in this ballgame. That's why I like the Rams slightly over the Bucs because I like their defense more than I like the Bucs' defense. I think they can make a couple plays that change the outcome. I have concerns about the Bucs' run game as well. They might be too dependent on Tom Brady and his arm. Uh, against that Rams defense in this one. So, going to be a fun one. NFC Championship preview, potentially, between the Bucks and Rams coming up in America's Game of the Week this Sunday. Tyler, I have to say, I agreed with you for our uh, work football pool here. I picked the Rams. And uh, I, I, pick? I truly <laughs> – Mike doesn't even know who he picked. Uh, I picked the Rams, and I, I think – I think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna win by a lot. But I mean, your answer for why you picked the Rams was definitely much more in depth than I <laughs> than my answer. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited that you agree with me because that means I'm doing something right. I had my wife pick my picks this week, and she went with Tampa Bay. And uh, not a bad choice. I, it, mean, it, I mean, hey, you know, to me, it's all really a coin toss. I will always have a couple of teams that I will always pick. And this is a coin flip game, like yes. we said, Vegas said figure it out the line open is a pickup there you go mm -hmm. there you go but i never put money on these things i don't gamble with my money i only gamble with my life so just absolutely astounding uh sports this is insider knowledge viewing this game yeah i'm expecting massive ratings for this one the los angeles market tom brady the greatest of all time going head to head there's going to be over 30 million people watching this game on sunday folks it i tell you is going to be something else we have seen some really good games in the National Football League through two weeks, whether it was the Ravens and the Raiders in that great overtime game on Monday Night Football to open the year, the Bucks and the Cowboys to open up the year on Thursday Night Football. As sad as I was about the Chiefs losing to <laughs> the Ravens on Sunday night, and now that's forcing me to have a fancy date night at Applebee's. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. Get you a blooming onion, man. Incredible Applebee's. game in its own right. So Wrong. we have Wrong. seen some of the best football to open up the year that I that maybe ever, and I expect nothing less from Sunday's game. This is going to be an instant classic. Uh, you can pretty much guarantee it. We're excited. Hopefully uh, I win the football pool this week, maybe. I you think and I only disagree on one game this week. Okay. Well, that's good. But also, you haven't won the last two weeks, and that makes me nervous as I well. I have not, but <laughs> my excuse has been this. We don't know who these teams are yet. Yeah, okay. We know their rosters. We know what teams have talent, what teams don't. We don't know where the chemistry is at. It's still a very young season. Here's what I want to tell folks as far as if you're picking games, if you're like me and haven't done great to start the year, here's something to I'm think about, folks. Either. Remember this Tampa Bay Bucks team 
last year. They opened up the year getting smacked in the face by the New Orleans Saints. You fast forward all the way to week 12 last year. The Saints beat the Super Bowl champion Bucks 38-3 at home. They went on to win about, what was it, six games in a row after that, including the Super Bowl. It's a long season. There's a ways to go. These teams are still figuring out who they are, and we are still figuring out who they are. But I can tell you this much. Sunday, Bucks, Rams, cancel all the plans. Hold off on mowing the yard. <laughs> tell the, the kid to you know, quit crying in the back room, whatever it is. <laughs> you need to watch this game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, we're, we're excited for that and uh, always excited for all of your sports headlines, Tyler. Thank hey, goodness. quick plug, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we have a new sports show here on Local News Live every Sunday yeah. night, Sports Sunday. We're airing at about 9.30 Eastern time, around halftime of Sunday night football. Myself, Ryan Pierce, we're recapping the weekend at the NFL and in college football, whatever else is happening. And we're streaming live on Facebook. We're also on your local great television station's digital stream. So... Check us out each and every week, Sports Sunday, about 9.30 Eastern time here on Local News Live. Yeah, they do a pretty good job. Much better than, uh, no offense to Mike and I, but no, much better than when with Mike and I in the background just adding our two cents whenever we feel like it. Um, they both know a lot more. Anytime about you it. want to talk about 90s pro <laughs> wrestling, I'm your dude. But uh, Tyler, always astounding. Yeah. Just how much of this uh, uh, information you're able to... Folks, there's no teleprompter here or anything. He rattles all <laughs> of this all off amazingly. I have no notes on me either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no notes on the palms or anything. So, yes. Tyler, I'm just in awe. Man, uh, it, it, someday I hope I can get up there and talk about court cases the way that you there talked you about. Mike, I appreciate game. it.